You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Well, good morning again. Happy Father's Day once again to all of our dads. Let's just give them a, a, a round of applause. I think they, de- they deserve that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. What a great day today. It really was one of those surreal moments this morning, you know, talking to my dad on the phone, but then, uh, uh, you know, things have changed when you're actually texting your sons and saying Happy Father's Day to them as well. I mean, then you know things are a little different, uh, and we got to do that this morning. It's just a, it was a treat to do that, treat to do that. You know, it really is. I mean, I, I was thinking about just the tradition that we have of honoring, having a day of honor for our mothers and now our fathers. So again, you know, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day, and what a great tradition um, that we do have and that we do get to do this, and it is recognized. And I know that fathers and mothers, you know, are really different in many ways. Uh, The way they think, their um, perspectives are different. They say one of the big differences between Mother's Day and Father's Day is the amount of money that's spent. Mm. And so I I don't know. I'm not going to say who who gets more. Oh, I can Uh, tell you. I I mean, I know know where that lands. We get painted rocks, guys, uh, fathers do. So just let you know. Handprints, that's what we get, yeah. But again, you know, mothers and fathers, they're emotionally, you know, they think different, and and just how they see things are different, and there's a story of about, about this young mother who, in the middle of the night, <clears throat> went in to check on her baby, and when she went into the nursery, she, she saw her husband, the daddy, leaning over the crib, and she thought, she stopped, and she thought, oh, wow, that is so sweet. That is so precious. Just going to take it all in. And so then she just tenderly walked up to him, and she took his hand, and she just whispered to him, and she says, Honey, what are you thinking about? And he stands up, and he goes, I just can't figure out how they make this crib for (laughs) (laughs) $89.95. That's the difference between mothers and fathers. (laughs) There's the big difference. Yeah. We had a family reunion uh, uh, yesterday for Annette's side of the family, and, and where we were was on this big farm, 40-acre farm, and a lot of different animals, and goats are part of the farm there, and, and this is the difference between fathers and mothers. Um, I was just standing there with a young father who was watching his 18-month-old walk toward a goat who was roped up, and I realized that both of us are thinking the same thing. We're thinking... I wonder what that goat's going to do to that kid. You know, I mean, that's, that's, what, that, that's what dads do. Let's see, let's see the wrestling match that might happen here. Man, out of nowhere, mom came, f- comes flying in and swoops him up and then looks over at us like, what are you guys doing? Well, we just wanted to see what had happened, you know. That's, that's kind of, that, that's, what, that's what dads do, you know. Dads do that. My son, when he was, uh, when he was about five years old, he stepped out on the end of a, a diving board. And to my knowledge, he'd never jumped off a diving board. And uh, he not only was looking into the water, but he turned around backwards and was looking over his shoulder. He was testing the spring in the board. And Nat jumps up and says, Ron, you need to do something. You need to do something quickly. You have to go take care of this. So I ran up to him and I said, do you want to do this? And he said, yeah, I want, I want to jump backwards. And I said, okay, when you do this, make sure your knees get up in your chest and your chin gets over the top. 
And I said, and you'll be just fine. And sure enough, boom, and he did this perfect backflip. Well, when I came back to sit down, I thought there would be a nice, peaceful party going on. And she looked at me, and she says, that's not what I meant. And so that's the difference between moms and dads. So that is. Well, a while back, and then I decided we would, uh, we would do Father's Day message together, as you, you can see. We're, we're calling it this morning, The Story of Two Fathers. And uh, both fathers in our message this morning have a few things in common. Uh, but the one thing that really stands out to me about both of these fathers is their love and availability to God and their family. And uh, today I hope for our dads that you're encouraged. And uh, I just want you to just feel God's love and his grace in your life. You know, the two fathers that I'm talking about are the father of the prodigal. And that's going to share a few thoughts uh, on him. Um, and I want to talk to you just a little bit about Father Abraham. Um, it's an interesting subject to me. I, I need to admit, um, when we talk about Father Abraham, admittedly, uh, not someone I have had keen interest in until the past few years, and I have aged, you know, and, and I've become a grandfather. And then you get really interested. You, know, you really want to find out all you can about those that have gone before you. And uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting to me because Father Abraham, we could say, obviously, is the father of many. I mean, anyone who, you know, if you've been brought up in Sunday school or church, you know that he's the father of many. And I, and I choose to call him the father of multiplication because that really was his promise. Uh, he is the original uh, making disciples who make disciples guy. You know, he's really the original there. And it all began with him, uh, the father of uncountable children. Um, the satisfaction that later on in life he must have felt uh, when, when he had children and he saw his children have children, uh, the blessing that God brought to him. Uh, the Bible says that the promise to Abraham was, you're going to have as many children as there are stars in the heaven. Well, you can't count that. Now, you're going to have as many children as there are grains of sand on the seashore. Well, you can't count that. And this is what's amazing to me. God took, God took a wanderer, really a vagabond, a nomad, or a nice way of putting it, a sojourner, and he made him the most prolific father on the planet. And the reason I'm saying that today is because oftentimes as dads, there's just a lot of uncertainty leading families. Uh, we're, we know we're on a journey, we're just not sure where the journey's going to end up. And, uh, and I know Abraham experienced the very thing, same thing. But each step he took, he was a man, and we'll talk about this, a man of faith. Uh, and how amazing that is that God can take something uh, so amazing that he takes a wanderer and makes him a father. You don't put those two together, do you? I mean, when I think of a wanderer, I don't think of a father of many. And that's exactly what God does. He has the ability to perform those kinds of miracles in our lives. And so, Dad, I, I hope you're encouraged today. That you know that sometimes we do feel like we're wandering. And, and this is a, a, a life that is full of a lot of surprises. And especially our fathers here today, I, I, I think that we see a man in Abraham that God calls out to uproot and go is a man that God uses to plant the seeds for nations of peoples, both biological and spiritual. We're a result of that this morning. We're told that in Romans chapter 4 that we are a result of, of, of Abraham's faith and we're an offspring 
of his faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know uh, where he was going. <laughs> That's a lot of fatherhood right there. Uh, I can tell you that there were a lot of times I just didn't know where I was going. Um, you know, you can act like it. You can put on the face. But inside, you're just thinking, God, you got to come through. you got to come through for my kids. you got to come through for my family. you got to come through uh, to provide because I really don't know where I'm going. Um, God called my family when I was younger. Both Annette and I did not grow up in this area. And so in a lot of ways, we were talking about this, we uh, identify with Abraham. Uh, we're not connected to our high school friends or even our college friends that much because we are transplants. Uh, she comes from north of here in Spokane, and I come from south of here in Southern Cal. And uh, the Lord, uh, early age in our lives, and our hearts, was, was really stirring us. And uh, I know that was happening in my family, that God was calling my family to go to a place that they would show him. My dad uh, led that charge, and we followed that and ended up in a place here, a beautiful place called Canby, Oregon, uh, that we would have never even picked out on a map. And he said, now, multiply. You know, now over these 30 years, have, have kids, have spiritual kids, have biological kids, and, and know that they're going to touch nations. And so we can look back now at 30 years and say, uh, God, you've been so faithful that you've allowed us to be fathers and mothers of, of many. And uh, I see that in Abraham's life. I love what uh, Oswald Chambers says. Listen to this. It says, Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who's leading. It is a life of faith, not of intellect and reason, but a life of knowing who makes us go. And that's really what it means to be a father. I want to ask a question here. How many of you here this morning, dads, are first-generation believers? How many of you are? Lift your hand if you would, yeah. Uh, thank you. Just keep your hand up a little bit. I, I, I was praying. I just want you to know how much um, I appreciate you um, because you've taken those steps of faith. You've made a way for your family, for your children and your children's children. And so today I want you to know that you are deeply appreciated. And I want to thank you for taking those steps and going where the one who loves you is leading you. And let me encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, continue to be that father to, to others. And uh, I'm going to pray that you're encouraged today. I'm going to pray that today, this afternoon, will be the best Father's Day ever for you because you've walked in faith. Abraham was a, a sojourner, and as a sojourner, could have been harsh. He could have been antagonistic. Um, he could have been selfish just because he had to leave, uh, live off the land. I mean, a very difficult, harsh life. He was a nomad, um, but he was not. He was not only a sojourner, Abraham was a peaceable man. And you see that in his life. That means that he really knew and understood God and was, uh, he, the Bible says he was a friend of God's. Abraham diffused strife uh, because he valued others. He really did. Abraham is um, unselfish. One of the things that you see happen in Genesis 13, uh, you see he and his nephew Lot in this place where their, 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 their shepherds are arguing with each other, and Abraham prefers Lot and his family. 
And he says, you choose. You go wherever you want to go. You take whatever you want to take, and I'll take whatever you leave. And I, and I thought to myself, what a, what a man that is so unlike uh, maybe men, uh, culture today, that we're striving to get all we can and to make all we can, uh, to get all we can. You have Abraham here as a peaceable man that says, I value you more than I value things. I value you and I value harmony and relationship. And that's exactly what I think a good father does. Then he goes on and he intercedes uh, for some people that we would even wonder, why would he intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, doesn't he and God know these are deplorable people? Uh, these, are, these are really reprobates. That's what you know, the Bible calls them. But he has a love for people. And he does his best to intercede for those that you wouldn't think would be intercedable for. Um, I think that's really the heart and the sign of a good father is that even though you look at the situation and you think it may be uh, hopeless, what you're doing is you're still hoping. And dads, let me encourage you to do this. For our sons and daughters, both biological and physical, uh, I mean uh, spiritual, would you hope when they don't hope for themselves? Because they need fathers, they need men who will hope for them when they are having a hard time hoping for themselves. Abraham does that. And then the other way that you see his, his peaceable life is he extends so much hospitality. And I think that's one of the, the greatest characteristics of a peaceable person is they invite you into their space. They invite you into their life. Uh, and whether we invite people into our homes or not, that's a good thing to do. We want to be able to do that. But I'm going to even encourage you uh, to invite people into your space, into your conversations. Um, into the places that you find yourself maybe at a, a grocery store and you might be talking to one person and notice another person's overhearing or listening to your conversation. To include people into your space is a hospitable person. Um, and that you would be someone who's hospitable, not only to the people that you know, because oftentimes it's easy to do that, but you would be hospitable to those that you don't know. Uh, and they would be treated um, uh, like, the, like they've been loved their whole life, like they've been val valued their whole life. And then the last thing here is that Abraham was faithful. Um, it says in Hebrews 11.10, it says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. <clears throat> and I think this is what really captured my heart in this last week. Um, is that he desired and he pursued to see what God sees. That he wanted to have God's eyes. He wanted to have God's vision. And he pursued that. And he pursued that all of his life. You see, it, that was done at the risk of being ridiculed. I mean, imagine, you know, you're going to be the father of many. Many know that promise and you don't even have a son yet. Uh, I, I don't know how much taunting went on. I would imagine there was some going on. But he refused, he refused to turn a blind eye to what God sees. And what God sees, listen, what God could see his children being. And what God could see his community being. And men, I know the challenge for me today, fathers, the challenge for me today is not to get bogged down and have my head bent over and my eyes cast down in a way that I cannot see what God sees in the culture and community we live in. 
in our children. I want to see what God sees. You see, that's one of the definitions of being prophetic, is that with my children, raising my children, uh, we would continue to pray, Lord, let us see what you see in them, and let us call that out in them. And not only with our kids, but every encounter we have with you and your kids. Uh, I really want them to know that there's somebody who sees this. And I want them to know that they're part of it. We were leaving the, our family reunion last night. And we've been very close to our first nephew. Who will, by the way, turn 40 next month, which blows my mind. But he lived in our home for a while. He stayed with us like a son to us, still is. And we feel that way about him. And he's been, in a lot of ways, fatherless. And um, before we left, I just looked at him and said, Josh, I love you so much. And uh, he hugged me. He wouldn't actually let go. Annette said, what was that about <laughs> He just wanted a long hug, and he whispered in my ear, and he goes, I love you, I love you. I think what he knows is I see something in him that maybe no one else sees. I see maybe the imprint or the handiwork of God in his life. So dads, let's be those kinds of fathers and grandfathers that can look at our children and our children's children and see what God is up to, and that we can, we can call that out. We can make that happen. We can help make that happen. Would you say amen to that? Amen. 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 Yeah, the other father that, I, that we wanted to share about this morning, and this has been something that I've thought about for a long time. It's been dear and near to my heart um, as we approached Father's Day and knowing that um, we were going to share. I was just thinking more about um, the season of my life, and even now, um, shaping my parenting more into what looks like the father of the prodigal. And so in Luke 15, 11 through 32 is the story of the prodigal. And all of Luke, though, is about, Luke 15, is about something that's lost that's found. So Luke 15 is about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. One in a hundred, one in ten, and one in two. Mm -hmm. And so the stakes are higher. And the prodigal son, well, first of all, the parables that Jesus tells are the reason that he does what he does in that he was a master storyteller is he takes something that we do understand to explain something that we don't quite understand yet. And he wants to see us, see, let us see it differently and understand it the way he sees things. And so the story in many, you know, I, I would imagine everybody here knows the story. It's one of two sons who asked for his share of his inheritance. He takes off to live a life without restraint. He loses all of his money all of his friends, all of his dignity, and he comes to his senses, and um, he, you know, what am I doing here? I'm, I need to go home, and he's willing to be a servant in, in his father's house. Mm. So he heads, ho he heads home, and while he's heading home, 
he's probably even out loud rehearsing what he's going to say to his father mm -hmm. in hopes that his father will let him come back. And so now I want to read out of Luke 15, verses 20 through 24. It says this, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Mm. And then the story goes on and it talks about the older brother who was out in the field and he heard all this noise going on in the house and he hears that it's a party and and his father, his brother comes in and you know finds out what's going on and he's mad and he stalks off and he's angry and he refuses to join in and the father goes to him it says in the scripture and he even uses the word begs him to come in mm. And, and to rejoice with them because the lost brother is found and he's home. And then it ends with this in Luke 15. I'm reading it out of the message. It says, his father said to the older son, he said, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. So this story, a few years ago, I was in this place of the father um, with, the, with the child, a loved one, who was, would be considered the prodigal. Mm -hmm. And I, was, I would look at the story, and I, um, I was reading it, and I was rereading it, and I was trying to read between the lines. Because the thing is, I understand I understand the son. A actually, I understand both the sons. I can get that. Mm -hmm. I understand what it means to be rebellion. I understand what it means to be selfish and self-centered. I understand that. I understand the heart of that. What I wanted to know, though, when I was in this place, and I'm still wanting to learn more, is what was the father doing? And mm -hmm. I remember thinking, reading the scripture thinking okay well what exactly was the father doing the fa the son is gone but what was the father doing i need to know what the father's doing because i need to do what the father's doing and um and we all know that jesus is telling the story to to show who he is who the father is to us mm -hmm. and i needed to understand who the father is and as a parent how the father responds to that those who are lost mm -hmm. so I've been there and and with the older brother I I understand self-righteousness I understand um, self-centeredness short-sightedness I've been there you know I've done all that stuff so I understand that so it was understanding the father so um, there's a few things that I've learned from the father and the first one was the father released. When the son came to him and said, give me all, you know, give me my inheritance, which you've heard maybe this story before. It's, 
it's this huge disrespect. It was basically saying, as far as I'm concerned, you're dead, Dad. I just want my money. Mm-hmm. And so he asked for his money. And any parent in this situation would have felt hurt, would have been disappointed, mm-hmm. would have felt very disrespected. But the father released him. But this is the thing. He released him without disowning him. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, I had to hear that. I had to know that. I had to understand that. Because when you're hurt and when you're disappointed and when you feel like somebody has just slapped you in the face, mm. you, it's hard to trust um, that God has them and that you don't disown them. Mm-hmm. So he released without disowning. That's one of the things that I learned from the father. Mm. The other thing about the father is he hoped. He always had hope. Because this is what hope looked like. He was mm-hmm. looking for him. Mm-hmm. He was always watching the road to see if he was coming home. He waited for him. He never lost hope. It says in verse 20, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. There was this expectant hope. These parables that Jesus is teaching is not just about losing, it's about finding. Mm -hmm. And it's about finding lost things. So there was a reason for this expected hope when we know the Father. Mm -hmm. And the Father always has that expected hope for me. In Luke 19, 10, it says, I came to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus says. I came to seek and save the lost. So if he said it, he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. So there was this hope that was never absent in this father. Also in this day and in this culture, the son, upon returning back into the neighborhood, into his village, after disrespecting the father as he did, he could have been stoned. Mm -hmm. So there was another reason the father was watching He was watching to make sure that when he saw his son, that he could stand between the punishment that culturally would have rightly been carried out. Mm -hmm. But he was waiting and he was watching so that when he saw him, he could run to him and protect him from the punishment he really deserved as far as the culture was concerned. And if that was the culture in our day, I don't know how many of us would still be here okay. <laughs> in disrespecting our parents and being stoned for that. <laughs> so he was waiting. He was watching. He was hoping. He leaned into grace and guard, guarded against the critics. He guarded his son against the critics. Mm-hmm. And in this culture also, old people didn't run. <laughs> they didn't run. They were respected, they were, they were revered, they were, um, people would go to them, but they were never summoned, so they never had to run anywhere. People came to them. Mm-hmm. They didn't run to you. And he let go of that, what, maybe that, that humbleness of him being willing to run, mm-hmm. run to a son. I know that Oftentimes, our first response when we've been heard is, no, they come to me, they apologize to me, and then we'll see where it goes from there, (laughs) you know. But the father wasn't like that. He didn't wait. He ran. He ran to his son. 
He was more interested in reconciliation than he was um, interested in the protocol or the principle. Mm -hmm. He wanted reconciliation more than he wanted anything else. And it says then he kissed him. He kissed him on his neck. You know, that tender place that just demonstrates that love and devotion to a lost son who's home. So the third thing that he demonstrated was this discipline of love. And that the discipline of love is greater than. It's greater than a lecture. It's greater than shaming. It's greater than pointing the finger and shaking it. It's greater than telling them how bad that you were hurt and how much, you know, this was a disappointment. And I, I was, I'm just learning. I'm reading and I'm thinking, okay, I want to be like this father. I want to be like this father. I want to parent like this father. That love is greater. Mm -hmm. That love never fails. The story of the prodigal son is said to be the greatest short story of all human literature. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Everyone's heard of this story, and many countries have crafted this story to fit into their culture. But it's the father's response. While this is always called the prodigal son, in my mind, it's more about the father. Mm -hmm. Because it's the father's response to the situation. He's the center of the story. It's the father's response that matters. The father's response that makes all the difference in the world. You know, and I think about how daunting it is to be and keep striving towards and being intentional to be like the Father. Mm -hmm. But I have to step back and I have to remember that's exactly what the Father's done to, for me. He has released me without disowning me. He has always hoped and waited for me to, for me to come back. And he's always loved with the greatest of love, with, with the uncompromised um, love. He has loved me. This morning, I'd like to pray for you um, and all of us as parents, but especially we'll acknowledge the fathers this morning, but I know that many of you moms are stepping in those places where you need to also be the father figure. So can I pray for you this morning? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus, we, we thank you so much. Thank you for being such a great storyteller, mm -hmm. for knowing what we need to know and telling the story so that we can understand you better. Ah, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are the Father who runs to us, that you are waiting, you are watching, you never have your eyes off of us. You know where we are. You know where we've been, and you love us. Mm -hmm. And Father, I pray for all the fathers and mothers in this room, Lord, that you would encourage their hearts, mm -hmm. that, Lord, you love finding lost things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all about finding. It's not about losing. Mm -hmm. So, Father, I pray that there would be hope where people um, and parents need hope today. Let there be hope because you know where. You know where every single person is. You know where every lost person child is you brother sister mom dad you know where they are you know that and we can trust you and we release them to you with open hands we release them to you trusting you because we know that you love them more than we we love them so thank you jesus mm -hmm.
In your precious name, amen. amen. I want to do this too. I want to pray for our dads mm -hmm. as well. So there's kind of a double blessing maybe that you're getting here today. Um, the thought occurred to me, dads, that that some of the young people in your life, whether again they're your own kids or maybe they're, um, they're other children, other young adults or maybe grown adults, that just need a father figure to know where they are. Uh, when my son was about 12 years old, I could tell that he was emotionally, he was lost. Uh, he was struggling, he was trying to find his way, and he was wondering, does anybody know where I am? Does anybody know who I am? And uh, I saw it in his eyes, and I pulled him aside. We, we sat down in my, my bedroom, and I said, uh, I said, son, I want you to know something. Um, I want to commit to you that I will always know where you are. I will always know where you are. You'll always be on my radar. So while you may feel lost, and I get that, there'll be someone other than God that will know where you are, and that's me. And I think today there are so many young hearts that need to hear that, that need to hear a father, a father figure go to them and say, look me in the eye. I want you to know something. I will always know where you are. And when that happens, there's such encouragement. And uh, our whole life culture that we live in gets better. Where life flourishes and, and death is discouraged. Life is encouraged. And that's what we want to do. I'm going to pray that way for our dads today. And just thank you, dads, once again for being who you are. But I'm going to pray that you would have Holy Spirit radar. Let me, let me pray that way. You just have Holy Spirit radar. And you'd have the courage to say what I just said to, what I just said, told you, I said to my son, you would be able to say that to those that are in, that are in your life right now. So, Father, I just thank you again as Annette has prayed uh, for our fathers. I, I pray as well that you would just give our fathers in this room Holy Spirit radar. Uh, Lord, that they would <clears throat> seek out their own children or others who uh, feel lost. Uh, emotionally abandoned at times and where words may not even satisfy but presence will that uh, the presence of a father and the presence of a father coming alongside and saying uh, I, I'll always know where you are I'll always know where you are uh, the reassurance that comes because Lord you have told us that you will never leave us you'll never forsake us let us reflect that same heart to our children and our children's children, in Jesus' name. And we say amen. Would you just say amen to that? Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.